Here's a few numbers I want you to remember tonight. There's three of them, 25, 5, and 11. Heidi Heitkamp had $25 million to spend against Congressman Kevin Kramer's $5 million, and yet Senator-elect Kevin Kramer still beat her by 11 points. That is the biggest margin of victory across the entire nation from a seat, a Senate seat that was flipped from blue to red. That is now Senator-elect Kevin Kramer, and he joins us live from our studio in Bismarck. Senator-elect Kramer, first off, congratulations on the incredible race that you ran. What I want to know from you is, is how you feeling? When did you first know that, hey, I am now going to be a U.S. Senator, and what emotion came over you? <laughs> you know, it's interesting, Chris. First of all, thanks for the opportunity, and um, thanks for the congratulations. You know, I don't know when it first came over me or when I, I first realized that. I will tell you, I went into the evening pretty confident. Um, if you were to believe our numbers, our own polling, which, you know, if you don't, you probably should fire your pollster. Uh, you know, it, what happened was exactly what was scripted to happen. And it's, you know, it's been a, a several weeks that it's looked this way. Now, but all of that said, I think when, when the early numbers were so overwhelming in the West, and, and again, not shocking, it was one thing, but as we started to see some counties more in the middle of the, of the state with you know, overwhelming victories, and particularly that I was outperforming um, her previous race, it, it was clear to me that it was going to be a, a big night, and it might actually end up being double digits, and that's what I was hoping, that we'd get a double-digit victory. Yeah, it was pretty early. We saw Griggs County flip, and I thought, okay, this could be a good sign uh, yeah. for now Senator-elect Kevin Kramer. I know you had a chance to visit with uh, you know, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Vice President Mike Pence, as well as POTUS, President Donald Trump. I want to know, yeah. how was that conversation? Knowing that he had to talk you into this race and things of that nature, what went on in that conversation last night with President Trump? Well, a couple of things that happened. First of all, with the vice the vice president, of course, was cordial as always, and he was grateful. Both he and, and Senator McConnell thanked me for running. And it's an interesting thing, Chris. It's not lost on them that this was a race we didn't want to run, that Chris was a very important part of this decision. All of them told me to thank Chris. In fact, bo both Vice President Pence and President Trump asked to talk to Chris, and they talked to Chris as well, realizing that this was a family decision and that there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into this. The, the president, though, Interestingly, and I smile when I say this because he brings it up a lot, but he, of course, right away mentioned the fact that um, Chris and Abel and I were with him in the Oval Office in January, had a long meeting with him, and uh, and then a week later declined to uh, to run the race, and I, that I think <laughs> always sort of perplexed him, and um, was a you know sort of a, a, a short-term loss for him, shall we say? And then uh, of course a month later he he took another swing at it and made a very compelling case, and I'm glad that he did. I think it worked out well for all of us. You know, you bring up a great uh, point about Chris. I think we have. Uh what, 55% of North Dakotans now that want to say thank you to Chris Kramer as well for making the decision and helping sure. you make the decision. I'm curious, though, because I know this was really, this was a rough race. Look, you've been out there before. You've taken the arrows. It's, it's different for a family member, a wife, <coughs> a spouse. What did she say to you last night? Sure. Yeah, so Chris was always on board. She, she, once, she, once she got on board, she was all on board. Both of us were. We never looked back. We never regretted the decision. Now, our children didn't feel quite as strongly about it as we did, but Chris did because for her, Chris is a fiercely patriotic American in North Dakota, and for her it was always about the country. That's what the president told us, uh, to start thinking about the country more than ourselves. She took that to heart. 
made that decision. And as far as the attacks on her, and they, they really were vicious, and, and on our family, and on our children, it never bothered us. And part of why it didn't bother her or me, now I, again, I can't speak for my children, it was a little harder for them, but is because we knew that it wasn't, wouldn't be effective. In fact, in some respects, now we were sort of, well, we anticipated every attack, we knew very well that none of them would be very effective and that we had the perfect response to all of that. And that was to be who we are. And that is a family that loves God, that loves our country, and that we put out you know, the positives about being a North Dakota family. And, uh, and it worked. And so we were never anxious about it, Chris. What, if anything, surprised you about the results from last night? Yeah, I was. A, I, here's two things. One, um, the number of people that voted. You know, in this race, there were over 310,000 votes. I think in the t total, there were 314,000, something like that. I anticipated more of a 280,000 vote number, which would have been a big non-presidential number, but this was more like a big presidential year number. So the, just the number of people who voted surprised me. And then given that large number, that I still won with 11%, because I would have anticipated that with all of her money, that while you know a lot of it was spent on attacking me and my family, a lot of it was also spent on paying people to get out the vote. And that was the one thing that scared me the most. And yet, even at that, we were able to get an 11-point margin with the, being outgunned that way uh, with the mechanical part. But that's also a testament to the literally hundreds, Chris, of volunteers, people who would do anything to get this seat back for, for the Republican Party and for conservatives. And uh, you know, I'll take all those hardworking volunteers over all that money any day. Congressman, it's customary for the person that loses, especially if they're an incumbent, to call the the senator elect the person elected and you know say hey i'm conceding congratulations that kind of thing i saw a tweet this afternoon that said that uh you and senator eikamp still had not spoken um have you spoken yet if she called you and if so how was that conversation um no we, we have not talked yet um I, I haven't heard from her but you know that's that's fine and she's you know she's going through uh, her, her process, I'm going through mine. We'll have our time, I'm sure. We'll be together next week in Washington. I suspect we might even be on the airplane uh, together. So we'll have time to visit. Um, but I would expect a cordial conversation. Uh, I will express my appreciation to her for her service once again and, and for uh, her, you know, congratulate her on uh, working hard. She certainly put in the hours in this campaign, to say the least, traveling around the country, raising money, and doing the things that you need to do. She has great passion for the things she believes in, and um, I've always appreciated the relationship, so uh, you know, I expect we'll have a cordial conversation at some point. I suspect you will as well, but I mean, what does it say to you, the fact that we're going on almost, you know, 24 hours, 22 hours, and it's not like there's anything to contest here. You won by 11 points. And the fact that she hasn't picked up the right. phone and called you and to congrat—I mean, she didn't congratulate you in the in her you know concession speech last night. She hasn't picked up the phone. What does that say to you? You know, I don't know what all's going through her mind, Chris, or, or what she's going through, or what else she has you know to deal with, frankly, on this given day. And I, so I give her the benefit of the doubt on that. Um, I, again, I expect we'll have a good cordial conversation at some point. Um, well, she'll get around to it, I have no doubt. She's got a lot of other people to thank as well, I'm sure, and, and she wants to make sure she gets all that done. All right, a few more things, Senator. Senator Alex, I know you're not feeling that great, but, uh, you know, winning by 11 points, as I said here in my open, you had the largest margin of victory for any seat that went from blue to red. I presume that gives you some clout with uh, Leader McConnell, President Trump. What kind of committees are you going to request to be on? 
Sure. Well, there's a, there's a few of them that I, I have an interest in, and I want to be sensitive to you know the, to the needs of the, the state, of course. Um, also want to be able to complement what Senator Hovind is doing and the committees he's on. And, of course, we don't know yet whether he'll change any committees. So I'll work closely with him so that we have complementary committee assignments. But one that interests me a great deal is the Environment and Public Works. It's most like what I do now on the Energy and Commerce Committee where I serve on the Environment Subcommittee. It deals a lot with, obviously, public lands, public waters, energy policy, environmental policy, uh, agriculture policy as it relates to, to land and water. Uh, and Senator Hovind, of course, being on the Energy Committee, it would be a nice, I think, dovetail with him. Uh, obviously, I'm interested in our air bases and, and you know, uh, military affairs. That would be interesting to me. Certainly, agriculture and, and Indian affairs, uh, I have a great interest in both, and I think North Dakotans do as well. But I, again, I'll, I'll double up with Senator Hovind where it makes sense, but probably look to be complimentary as much as we can as well. All right, I want to relish in uh, your election results last night. Let's, now let's get down to business. Your reaction to Jeff sure. Sessions resigning? Well, you know, I think we all anticipated that would happen after the midterms. I didn't anticipate it would happen within hours after the midterms necessarily. <laughs> but, you know, Donald Trump's a transactional guy. He doesn't screw around, right? And so I don't, I don't think anybody should be shocked by it. Um, you know, Jeff Sessions, I think I maybe have expressed to you before, has been a disappointment to me. Uh, I understand the, his recusal of, of the Mueller investigation or the, the, you know, the, the Russian probe uh, at the beginning. But... It seemed to me that from the minute that he recused himself from that investigation, he sort of stepped back from just general management of, uh, you know, the law and order and rule of law uh, commitment of the of the Justice Department. And he's he's definitely been a disappointment to I know to our president and I think to a lot of us. So I hope you heard my open there. <clears throat> Don Jr. has told some friends that he's concerned <coughs> about being indicted by Bob Mueller. We all know President Trump is going to protect his family. In your opinion, should Bob Mueller be fired? You know, I, I wouldn't go there, Chris, frankly, I, but I do think Bob Mueller ought to be encouraged to hurry up. And this is an area when I say, you know, general management of the, of the uh, office, uh, of the Attorney General's office or the Justice Department, Bob Mueller shouldn't just have a, a wide, long leash and, and wide lanes to roam in. Uh, he ought to be wrapping this thing up. If either he has, uh, you know, some information or has some evidence or has some testimony or he doesn't, I will tell you that I've been very suspicious for a long time over the premise of the Mueller investigation. I think we all should be, given that what we've learned about the dossier and its origins and who paid for it and the fact that a lot of that information is made up and then it, that it was used to get, um, to get warrants. I mean, all of that has to be looked into. And my hope would be that the next leader of the Justice Department would take a hard look at that. They don't have to involve themselves in the Russian investigation, but they ought to do a good investigation of, of themselves and to make sure that everything's on the up and up. But I think it's time for Bob Mueller to hurry up and, and wrap this thing up. Last question, sir. Now being a U.S. Senator, you're going to be in the confirmation business as well. Uh, if you had a magic wand, who, yes. would you like to be, who would you like to see be the next Attorney General? You know, I was thinking about that when I saw the news of, of uh, Attorney General Sessions stepping down, and I can't say that I have anybody in mind personally. Um, I think that you need to have somebody, though, that's obviously a strong leader. I think Jeff Sessions was a strong senator, but being a senator, being a legislator, isn't the same as running an office. I mean, personally, if I could... If I could pick somebody, I suppose Trey Gowdy would be my first pick. He's a man of incredible integrity, great wisdom, tremendous experience, um, loyal to the Constitution of the United States and in this great country. Uh, I think Trey would be a, a great one. I, I don't know whether he's under consideration or not, but uh, you know, if I could pick, it'd be Trey Gowdy. 
Senator-elect Kevin Kramer, thanks for the time, sir. Get healthy. Look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Chris. Congratulations. I mean, a huge, huge victory there for Senator-elect Kevin Kramer. Again, 11 points he won by the biggest margin of victory last night in a race that flipped from blue to red. So